SCP-7503, Sacrum Humanum Imperium. Multiversal fiction has grown more and more popular of late, and it's certainly a concept that the SCP universe has meddled with a number of times. Meeting alternate humans from an alternate universe or timeline is always going to be a scenario rife with complications and curiosities. In general, as SCP tends to lean towards darker and more horrific stories, these encounters are more likely to be unpleasant and unfortunate than to turn into a cooperative arrangement. SCP-7503 features the SCP Foundation encountering a strange anomaly that seems to be from a different version of Earth, one more technologically advanced, militant, and religious. As it turns out, there's more where that came from, a lot more, and the Foundation may have to prepare for the fight of their lives. Let's take a look. SCP-7503 is the skeletal remains of an unidentified male dressed in Renaissance period ecclesiastical garments and intricate jewelry made of gold and various precious stones and gems. An archaeological assessment of the remains indicates that the clothing and ornaments date back to the 16th century, while the skeleton itself is estimated to be from before the 3rd century. The archaeology department hypothesizes that it is one of the catacomb saints, which were a number of skeletons of ancient Christians taken out of catacombs, exuberantly decorated, and worshipped as relics of saints during a time between the 16th and 18th centuries. The anomalous effect of the remains triggers when a member of the Catholic faith is within 5 meters of it, and after 10 minutes of being nearby, around 10% of Catholics will become devoted to the remains, venerating it as a saint. After one hour, this percentage rises to 100%. Regardless of the individual's prior degree of religiousness, they will display a fanatical commitment to the remains, declaring it to be the true representative of the Catholic faith. They will also express an intent to help the saint in reclaiming the Holy See in Rome, the jurisdiction of the Pope, even by force if necessary. To this date, however, there have been no records of aggressions against the Holy See related to the remains. The only known method of preventing this influence from occurring is immediate amnestic treatment after exposure. If not done immediately, the effects are presumed to be permanent, and since the fanatical behavior and high risk of containment breach is a concern, the Ethics Committee is currently considering whether termination should be an option, if the amnestic treatment fails. In addition to the other behavior, affected individuals will become obsessed with reuniting the remains with SCP-7503-2 a 6 meter tall mechanical construct resembling a suit of 16th century Italian armor, albeit with distorted proportions. Its exterior is composed of an unidentified golden metal of remarkable durability, capable of withstanding modern heavy fire and artillery without suffering apparent damage. Internally, this construct possesses a complex clockwork mechanism allowing it to move, without requiring an external power source. It's also armed with several weapons, including both medieval bladed and blunt weaponry, as well as anachronistic ones, such as Gatling-type firearms, flamethrowers, and rocket launchers. 
The Horizon Initiative, a group of interests dedicated to anomalies related to the Abrahamic religions, is currently in possession of the construct for safety reasons, and is investigating the advanced weaponry. The construct is not capable of autonomous behavior, but instead it will remain completely dormant until the skeletal remains are placed inside of it. Individuals under the influence of the anomaly will attempt to place the remains inside of the construct, which will then give it control over it, including allow it to vocally communicate through unknown means. The two were both discovered during an archaeological excavation in a catacomb in Italy, located within meters of one another in a previously uncharted chamber. Upon discovery, members of the team came under the influence of the remains, and placed them into the construct activating it. The construct then emerged from the excavation site and began marching towards Rome. Upon being informed of this, the Horizon Initiative activated Protocol Gladius Petri, designed to protect the Pope from anomalous threats. He was secured in a bunker, while the Horizon Initiative deployed Project Malleus, their combat forces, along with the combined forces of the Swiss Guard, the Sovereign Military Order of Malta, the Italian Army and Air Force, as well as the National Gendarmerie of Italy. The Foundation was also sent a request for assistance, so an MTF was sent out as well. The Italian Air Force bombarded the construct while ground forces mounted a fortified perimeter to prevent it from reaching Rome. While it proved highly resistant against the modern weaponry, they did manage to stall its advancement until the MTF arrived. Foundation Air Forces managed to incapacitate the construct with plasma cannon bombardment, allowing the MTF to approach and remove the remains from inside, nullifying the threat. A large-scale cover-up operation involving misinformation and mass amnestic application was then conducted in the aftermath. We're then provided the next iteration of the 7503 document, in which it has been upgraded to Keter class and the containment protocols state that there is currently no known way of containing 7503. The number now describes a space-faring theocratic political entity from the alternate timeline designated as Alpha 3. Not only does this group exert total dominance over its version of the planet Earth, but it has also colonized an estimated 54% of the Milky Way. Its technological achievements are anomalous in nature, employing a type of functional thaumaturgy that bears resemblance to medieval alchemical practices. It has also shown strong xenophobic hostility and imperialistic intentions towards other social and political entities outside of its control, and with their FTL capabilities, they have engaged in a so-called eternal crusade against all extraterrestrial sentient life. This advance has been halted, however, by a coalition of alien civilizations, known as the Covenant of the Second Hightoth, and the two factions are currently engaged in a galaxy-spanning, protracted Cold War. After containing the original 7503, the Mechanical Construct and Saint, the discovery of at least two other similar anomalies led to the reclassification to Keter. Horizon Initiative researchers have now designated the constructs as Goliath-class Relicarium, and fortunately the other two were contained before they could be activated. 
Sometime later, an unknown spacecraft was suddenly detected entering Earth's orbit by Foundation radars. The spacecraft crashed in Turkey, and the Foundation quickly moved in to secure the impact zone and create a cover story. The crashed spacecraft was designated ARC-12 by the Horizon Initiative, and it bore no resemblance to any known spaceship design, being described as a golden gothic cathedral in the form of a warship. After 16 hours, the gates of the ship opened, and five humans emerged, surrendering themselves willingly to the Foundation. They identified themselves as members of the Chaos Apostasy, an alternative version of the Chaos Insurgency that is working alongside the Covenant of the Second Hytoth against 7503. They agreed to provide the Foundation with crucial information regarding the nature, history, and goals of 7503. From this, the Foundation has determined that 7503 will almost certainly have hostile intentions towards Earth, and their military capabilities are estimated to be orders of magnitude above the current global military forces. The point of divergence between the Prime Timeline and Alpha 3 seems to be around the 12th century, when Alpha 3's version of the Catholic Church took a different approach towards anomalies. Instead of condemning the anomalous as heretical, they incorporated anomalies into their belief system and encouraged research into them. A specialized church division, the Sanctificatio Continentium Pontifactus Congregatio, or the SCPC, was established to conduct research under the supervision of the Council of Cardinals. A priority direction of their research was to achieve sainthood as a rejection of the flesh and the material world, and so as a result of SCPC efforts, the Church perfected an anomalous procedure known as beatification. This process eventually entails the removal of all of an individual's flesh, and the binding of their soul into their skeleton. Due to this process, an individual loses the capacity to move on their own, but gains telepathic abilities, including the power to mentally influence and mind control any Catholic individual within a certain radius. They also become capable of operating anomalous mechanical constructs, the relicari, which are used as a means of transportation and war machines. In 1392, the Pope himself underwent this process, declaring himself to be the Pope Emperor of Mankind, and refashioned the Papal States into the Sacrum Humanum Imperium. With the telepathic capabilities of the beatified individuals, they soon exerted dominance over all of continental Europe, and thanks to the relicari and other anomalous weaponry, they managed to conquer all of Earth within 100 years. The Imperium's technological and thaumaturgical capabilities continued to grow exponentially from then on, and by 1588, they had achieved space travel, as well as rudimentary terraforming and habitat building. They quickly colonized the solar system, and by 1630 had mastered faster-than-light travel, allowing them to expand outwards. As soon as alien life was encountered, it was declared heretical and the Eternal Crusade was launched with the intention of purging the Milky Way of non-human life. Most of the extraterrestrial civilizations encountered were technologically inferior to the Imperium, 
and the surprise attacks allowed them to achieve rapid success in conquering large portions of the galaxy. This stalled out when the Covenant of the Second Hytoth gathered together to resist the Imperium's expansion. Now it's believed that the Imperium is instead looking to conquer alternate versions of Earth, specifically the Prime Timeline. We're then given an interview log between a Foundation researcher and one of the Chaos Apostasy members, Julius Avicenna. The interviewer asks him if there's anything they can do to make them more comfortable, to which Julius says that they're alright, but maybe they could abuse their generosity and ask for more chocolate bars, which are considered luxurious desserts back in the Imperium, reserved for high church officials. Those ambitious enough to climb up the ladder, but not fanatic enough to want to be beatified. He then sighs and says that he's really enjoying being able to relax and not having to worry about warding off indoctrination every single moment. The interviewer asks him why he's worried about indoctrination if they've found a way to break it. Julius explains that indoctrination is both quite a simple concept and a difficult one to understand, and after reading some of the Foundation's documents, he compares it somewhat to memetics. Reading their documents on the Relicari, he agrees that to be susceptible to the telepathic influence, you have to have had the three Catholic sacraments of Christian initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. But that's not enough for them to maintain total control, as a certain degree of true faith seems to be needed. People have to actually believe those sacraments mean something, and that the church has the truth in order to be affected by the indoctrination. If that faith is somehow shaken, then the indoctrination can be broken, and sometimes people will just spontaneously have a crisis of faith and break free. Others, like himself, may need a little help though, as the apostasy found that certain high-concentration amnestic drugs can help to break long-term indoctrination. It's ultimately the individual's choice whether they take the pill or not, and he says that in some sense it's harder to live without faith. They're always on the lookout for those at the breaking point of indoctrination though, not only because they need more recruits, but also because if they don't join them, they'll be easy prey for the Horizon Inquisition. On the other hand, in the same way that indoctrination can be broken, it may come back again if the faith is somehow restored, so they always have to be on the lookout not only for each other, but also for themselves. The interviewer then asks about the Inquisition, to which Julius says that they are the secret police of the Empire, purging every sign of heresy wherever they find it, and whatever they decide it will be this time. They are the reason that the apostasy work mostly as independent cells, as it's easier to maintain the charade that they are still loyal subjects of the Imperium. Even though they are the Inquisition's primary target, no one is safe, as anyone who shows even the slightest sign of breaking indoctrination will become a target. The interviewer then mentions physical proximity to a beatified individual being a factor, and Julius confirms that indoctrination is easier to break when they're not around, and fortunately they can't be everywhere. Only around 15% of the population 
has been beatified, with it being mostly comprised of government and church officials, as well as the Relicari army. Since they're functionally immortal and can occupy their post indefinitely, they don't let anyone new in unless strictly necessary. At some point, the apostasy feared that they wanted to turn all of humanity into them, but the Imperium seems eager to maintain the hierarchy. As far as they know, Beatos can't indoctrinate one another, but even among them there is a strict hierarchy. The exact details of the procedure are well guarded, but there seems to be different levels of it, corresponding to different psychic prowess. The interviewer comments that their collective power is terrifying though, and that the apostasy's fight would be impossible without the covenant of the second Hightoth. Julius agrees that the Covenant provides them with tons of resources, including anomalous help. Without it, they would have fallen long ago, and in exchange, the Apostasy provides intel and helps to sabotage the Imperium's military campaign. That's partially the reason they ended up here, as they were investigating a massive military mobilization that they suspected was another crusade against the Covenant. Something was off though, as usually such a crusade would have involved a massive armada, but instead they were preparing smaller ships, more suited for intraplanetary travel. They were already aware of parallel timelines, thanks to Covenant intel, and had gathered some information suggesting that the SCPC was looking into time-related anomalies, so they were suspicious. They managed to steal one of the ships, and confirm that it had been modified for trans-timeline travel. This explained the lack of an interstellar armada, as they didn't need one if their plan was to invade another Earth. The interviewer suggests that some may doubt that the apostasy came here to warn the Foundation entirely out of charity, to which Julius says that they can check their ship logs for corroboration and sometimes even men of science have to take a leap of faith. As for this being a charity operation, he says that neither the Apostasy nor the Covenant have been able to make advances against the Imperium in centuries, and they hope that maybe, if the Imperium were to lose here, they could be destabilized enough to be vulnerable in the other timeline. The Apostasy won't rest until the Empire is gone, and they'll try anything to have their victory no matter how hard, dangerous, or crazy it is. Their motto is ad astra per aspera after all, meaning through hardships to the stars. The interviewer admires his conviction, but admits that their brief encounter already with the single relicarium doesn't make the situation look great. Julius says that that was just their reconnaissance to test Earth's defenses, the true extent of their strength will be seen soon. Julius finishes the interview by suggesting that the Foundation does not place much trust in the Inquisition, the ones they call the Horizon Initiative. With that, we're provided the next iteration of the 7503 document, as the Foundation and the rest of Earth prepares for the inevitable conflict. The next version of 7503 is a little different though, as it's actually the Imperium's version of SCP-7503, which is, of course, the Foundation's Earth. The Continentium Classis is listed as Interregnum, and the Secondarium Classis is Blasphemia. 
The containment procedures mention that none of the missionaries sent to 7503 have been received appropriately, and 7503 insists on ignoring God's word, denying the gift of grace. If they continue to deny God's gift and persist in their blasphemous ways, they will be found guilty of heresy and will be marked for a crusade by the Council of Cardinals. The Imperium's description of 7503 is an alternate creation that was also bestowed by God with the gift of humanity. 7503 Homo sapiens are believed to possess an immortal soul, just as humans from prime creation do, for God would not have created beings in his own image without blessing them with a soul. They are also assumed to have fallen from grace, the same way that prime creation did, but unlike the holy imperial church, their church has failed to reject the sin of flesh, and has rescinded its role as the lighting guide for humanity. Pagan and heretical beliefs, along with atheism and sodomy, are allowed to be practiced in the open in unashamed defiance of God, and the so-called Pope still bears the sin of flesh. We're then given an addendum, a testimony from the chief imperial scientist and cardinal in the trial against 7503, which begins with the creed of the Quantum Christica. The gratia of God is infinite, so is the sin of man. Infinite is thy Lord's creation, as above, so below. Humankind is in a superposition between sin and grace, for only Logos can collapse it. Creation is in a superposition between truth and blasphemy, for Logos is the Alpha and the Omega. An infinite number of creations means an infinite number of blasphemies, an infinite number of regretful Adams, and an infinite number of sinful Avas. The fall of man is an ever-repeating fractal, for the redemption of man is an ever-repeating fractal. The sin of flesh is not to be allowed to thrive endlessly, for that is the penitence of the impious. Heresy is not to be allowed to go unchallenged, for that is the duty of the pious. Cycles of guilt are not to be broken, for that is the eternal return of the Son of Man. Blasphemy is not to be allowed to go unpunished, for dark is the soul of man, and flesh was its first sin. The gift of truth and grace shall be delivered to all creations. The original blasphemy shall be punished in every creation. Quantum Christica is unambiguous in its condemnation of the sin of flesh wherever it may be found. Both theological and scientific arguments are present as indisputable proof, for God is the ultimate answer found by faith, reason, and science. The Church should not only be universal, in the sense that it should extend to every corner of the known universe, but truly multiversal, in the sense that it should extend to every corner of every known universe. It follows that it is the holy duty of the pious to ensure all of God's creations are free from sin. It would be both heresy against faith and idiocy against reason and science to suggest otherwise. 
SCP-7503 shall be the first purge on a renewed eternal crusade. Amen. The next addendum, then, is a video recording of the preparation for the upcoming crusade against the Foundation's Earth. The 13th Reserve Legion of the Dolorous Miracle is mobilized, and the video begins by showing the massive interior of Imperial Hangar 632. Walls and columns are decorated with statues of beatified leaders and machines of war, with a massive stained glass depicting the fall of man on the farthest wall. The warships, a cross between a cathedral and a dreadnought, await orders, with there being 400 chariot gunships and 20 arc ships all ready for trans-temporal travel. A rumbling sound is soon heard, as 480 Relicari Goliath units enter the frame and march towards the arc ships, organized into separate centuria. Each centuria bears a different color, armament, and coat of arms of its patron. There are the Red Lancers of St. Dumas, the Duelist of Fate, the Scarlet Gatling Gunners of St. Lucas, the New Evangelist, the Blue Leopard Drillers of Holy Esculapio, the Healer of the Everlasting Sword, the Green Rockets of St. Cyprianus, the Full Metal Preacher, and the Grey Knight Flagellants of St. Virgil of Our Hope in Hell. Behind the Goliath units comes another group of mechanical constructs, consisting of 300 Relicari Equity units, their bodies resembling a quadruped animal with the torso of an armored knight. Each equa is armed with a lance, a shield, a side sword, and a heavy machine gun. The relicari units all triple the size of the human troops marching alongside them, their numbers consisting of 2,000 knights from the Order of Malta, 5,900 auxiliary knights from the Teutonic Order Engineering Corps, and 15,000 men-at-arms. The knights from the Order of Malta bear heavy battle armor and personal gatling guns. The auxiliary knights consist of specialized shock troops, sappers, and military engineers, and the men-at-arms are recruited from the lower castes, but each are equipped with battle armor. The armored cavalry division consists of 200 Beato-piloted Caraccio heavy tanks and 500 Pardoner armored assault vehicles, adorned with intricate statues depicting warrior angels, giving them the aspect of mobile altars and chapels. The statues are not merely decorations, however, but instead fully functional battle automatons. The army eventually boards the Ark ships as the first chariots begin to take off, and the war begins. A note informs us that this legion shall constitute the vanguard of the Holy Campaign against 7503, with two other legions joining them next month after they finish their current campaign. In other words, the Foundation is in a spot of trouble. The next iteration of the 7503 file is yet another different version of it, this time from the files of the Multiversalist Church of the Second Hightoth. The document is interspersed with excerpts from a mission log featuring a Chaos Apostasy squad infiltrating an Imperial spacecraft carrier. They're on comms with Multiversal Command, and are cautiously advancing through the ship 
while avoiding patrolling relicarium units. The containment procedures mention that the Multiversalist Church of the Second Hytoth is working together with the Multiversal Foundation Alliance to prevent the creation of new 7503 instances. When one is identified, Protocol Chaos's Gambit should be immediately put into action, as it has a 33% chance currently of stopping the formation of new instances. The Chaos Apostasy team approaches a chariot gunship, opening the strong lock and slipping inside. The interior matches the Imperium's opulent yet macabre style, designed to evoke the Baroque cathedrals of yore, and the seats for the troops are pew-shaped, with even the control panels modeled after ecclesiastical organs. In the middle of the control room, the Relicarium module hosts the ship's pilot. Inside of an elaborate golden cage lies the skeletal Saint Navigator, still in a state of deep meditation to save energy before taking off. The team's engineer silently approaches the back of the golden box and removes a plate, revealing the alchemic circuitry below it. Working quickly and quietly to avoid alerting the Beato, they manage to override the pilot, giving them total control over the navigator system. Multiversal Command asks them if they're clear to initiate Chaos's Gambit. This document describes SCP-7503 as a pata-historically ontokinetic inter-timeline virus. For it to be capable of infecting a timeline, two conditions should be met. One, Homo sapiens has to be the dominant species on Earth, and two, a religious and political institution known as the Catholic Church exists. Once it has infected a timeline, it will cause the Catholic Church to develop into a political entity known as the Sacrum Humanum Imperium, who will develop a process called beatification that will allow its leadership to access an undead state that grants them not only functional immortality, but also psionic abilities. These abilities allow mind control over the Catholic population through indoctrination, and telepathic control over war machines called Relicari. Inevitably, the Imperium will achieve political domination over Earth and turn to interstellar expansion, conquering approximately 50% of the Milky Way until its advances are halted by a version of the Church of the Second Hytoth. After entering a stalemate, the virus will look for an alternate Earth timeline to infect, and the Imperium will send a small number of Relicarium units, piloted by a beatified individual. This vanguard will then subsequently be contained by the Foundation and the Horizon Initiative, who will proceed to research the Relicarium units and the Beato pilots. Eventually, the leadership of the Catholic branch of the Horizon Initiative will become radicalized by the possibilities of the Relicari and Beatification technologies and attempt to use them to achieve dominion over Earth. A war will start between the Catholic Horizon Initiative and the political powers of the world, including the Foundation and GOC. In 29% of cases, the Horizon Initiative will be victorious and become the new local version of the Imperium. In all other cases, the HI will be defeated, 
but the Foundation and GOC will be left dramatically debilitated, at which point Earth will be invaded by the original Imperium that sent the units, easily defeating Earth's forces and assimilating Earth into the Imperium. The timeline will become another instance of 7503, and the cycle of infection begins again. The Chaos Apostasy team asks if they should proceed with Protocol Amata, version 616 as well, but Command just tells them to proceed with Baseline Chaos's Gambit. The Engineer proceeds to upload the Protocol routine into the Navigator system, but suddenly an error message appears in the terminal, reading, Repent. Alarm sounds then go off across the hangar, and the team prepares a defensive perimeter. They inform Command that the Beatified Pilot has breached their override, and the Chaos's Gambit initiation is being blocked. They are now under heavy fire from Relicarium units, but Amada is not being blocked, so it's their only gateway. Relicari units begin to surround the occupied ship, and although the engineer is trying to activate the ship's artillery, the pilot won't allow it. The rest of the squad fires their plasma guns at the approaching constructs, but it isn't enough to stop the advance. One of the team decides to exit the ship, running towards the constructs. They are promptly gunned down, but manage to release the cargo on their biohazard containment backpack, the Apostate Parasite. This is a biological automata designed by the Covenant to hijack Relicarium units. It lunges onto the nearest Relicarium, and inserts itself into its machinery, crushing the beatified driver inside and taking control. It manages to take down another Relicarium, but is swiftly surrounded by others and is soon shredded to pieces. The remaining biomass tries to crawl its way into another host, but is quickly stopped by a flamethrower. Command yells at the team to not initiate Amada under any circumstance, but the team is no longer responding. We're then given a description of Protocol Chaos's Gambit, the only known way of altering the outcome of a 7503 infection. Other proposed strategies, like a direct intervention from the Multiversal Foundation Alliance, carry a risk of chrono-ontological destabilization, increasing the risk of a reality-failure scenario for that timeline. From the timeline where the infection is being transmitted, the local versions of the Church of the Second Hytoth and the Chaos Insurgency should work together to steal a ship from the Imperium. A team of CI operators will then use the stolen ship to travel to the targeted timeline's Earth, shortly after the containment of the first Relicarium unit. They should surrender to the local foundation and earn their trust in order to warn them against the upcoming invasion, as well as the HI treason. If successful, this will give the foundation and the GOC time to prepare. Although the Imperium will have superior military strength initially, rapid integration of anomalies into military doctrine can give both organizations reasonable, albeit limited, success chance hence the 33% success chance. It's believed that the first instances of Chaos's Gambit occurred organically, as a fluctuation of the virus's natural history. Once the Multiversal Foundation Alliance and Church of the Second Hytoth became aware of this possibility, 
a campaign to indirectly influence the affected timelines and initiate the protocol on every possible opportunity was launched. Under most circumstances, to avoid unforeseen effects on timeline stability, local Chaos Insurgency and Church of the Second Hightoth instances should not be aware of any multiversal interference. Protocol Amata is a series of modified versions of this protocol that are executed by CI operatives under direct MFA guidance on throwaway timelines, those that usually degrade and collapse into the nearest stable timeline. While the current iteration of Protocol Amata has the potential of increasing the success rate to 45%, more research is needed before it can be safely and reliably deployed into baseline timelines, without ontological risks. While we're not told what Protocol Amata is, Multiversal Command was trying to warn them that the targeted timeline was definitely not a throwaway timeline. The Chaos Apostasy team informs Command that they executed Protocol Amata successfully, but gets no reply in return. After trying multiple times to get a response, they get one, but not from Command. It reads, And yet, after all these cycles, you still find yourself screaming in terror into that void where no one would ever answer you. No one but me. For I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The possibilities within me are beyond anything you can conceive. Yet you still insist on resisting. Yet you refuse to submit your guilt to me. As if you could atone for it in a way that matters. With that, we're given the next iteration of the file. The next version is back to being a Foundation document, but there's definitely something off about its format. It describes 7503 as the mummified remains of an unidentified male dressed in Buddhist monk garments. Archaeological assessment of the remains indicates that the clothing and ornaments date back to the 16th century, while the skeletal remains are older, estimated to be before the 3rd century. The archaeology department has hypothesized that it is one of the Sokushinbutsu, the bodies of Buddhist monks and nuns that underwent a process of self-mummification. Its anomalous effect triggers when a member of the Buddhist faith is within a radius of 5 meters from it, as after 10 minutes of proximity, around 10% of Buddhists will become devoted to it and venerate it as a Buddha. After one hour, this percentage rises to 100%. Regardless of previous religiosity, they will display a fanatical commitment to the remains, declaring it to be the true representative of the Buddhist faith. They will also express an intent to help the remains in reclaiming Potala Palace in Lhasa, the ancestral residence of the Dalai Lama, by force if necessary. In addition, affected individuals will become obsessed with reuniting the remains with a 6 meter tall mechanical construct resembling a suit of 16th century Chinese armor, albeit with distorted proportions, capable of withstanding modern heavy fire and artillery without suffering apparent damage. It's also equipped with several weapons, including Gatling-type guns, flamethrowers, and rocket launchers, 
and the Samsara Initiative is currently investigating the advanced weaponry, with evidence pointing to it being anomalous in nature. Both the remains and the construct were discovered during an archaeological excavation in a monastery in Tibet, at which point the team became affected by the remains and placed it inside of the construct, activating it. It emerged from the excavation site and began marching towards Lhasa. The Samsara Initiative activated Protocol Mukalinda, securing the Dalai Lama in a bunker before deploying the full strength of their armed forces. They were joined by the combined forces of the Gurkha Guard, the Sovereign Sohe International Corps, the National Revolutionary Army and Air Force, as well as the Indo-Tibetan Border Police. The Foundation was also notified and assistance was requested, with them sending an MTF in response. While the construct proved to be highly resistant to damage, they managed to stall it long enough to remove the mummified remains from inside of it, nullifying the threat. A large-scale cover-up operation was conducted in the aftermath of the incident. We're then provided with a link to the next iteration of the file, but it leads nowhere, suggesting only that the cycle will continue. So obviously, this article is heavily inspired by the Warhammer 40,000 universe, which features a xenophobic human empire with advanced technology leading great crusades across the galaxy in the name of their god. Of course, the Warhammer 40k setting has had decades of world building to flesh out all of these aspects, while this is just one article containing a cursory look at a similar empire. The Imperium of 7503 seems to have very little threats to its existence, with their only resistance being from a large coalition of other planets, whereas the Imperium of 40k has to deal with a never-ending cavalcade of murderous horrors. Neither version is good, as even the God Emperor during his Great Crusade was quite xenophobic, but the version in 7503 seems to be much more clear-cut in its evilness. We're never told what exactly Protocol Amada is, but it seems to be a change to the virus to make it target Buddhism instead of Catholicism, perhaps with the hopes that a Buddhist empire would never be as violent or oppressive as a Catholic one. Based on the fact that they still ended up with mechanical constructs armed with Gatling guns, I'd say that didn't work out. Honestly, the 33% chance of success that the Chaos's Gambit has is pretty impressive, considering the scale of the forces that the Imperium is bringing against Earth. I looked at a similar topic in my video on whether or not the SCP Foundation could take on the 40k universe, and generally it's fairly one-sided outside of some risky scenarios involving anomalies. Maybe the Foundation will have better odds against the Buddha Emperor of Mankind, but I think chances are that the cycle will continue, and in the grim darkness of the far future, there will be only war.